Alrighty guys, we're coming at you live from the Student Athlete Building practice fields here in Provo, Utah. Caleb Turner and Jackson Payne with another episode, quick episode of Universe Sports Talk. What's up everybody? Out here in the nice spring day. I, is it this first day of spring yet or are we still in winter? Uh, I think it's, it's got to be somewhere like around the 20th, right? 20th, 21st, somewhere in there. But One of the, uh, It feels like spring. It's starting to feel like it, for sure. Uh, the football team holding practice out here uh, out in the outdoors. Uh, no longer in the IPF, at least for now, as long as the weather holds. Uh, first time we've been out here as media to be able to watch them on this field. Uh, during spring ball, uh, it was a lot of fun. You know, tons of people, kind of just like a good, good energy, good, you know, kind of football practice energy going on around here. Uh, good, loud music. Uh, you know, got the got the quarterbacks out here wearing green for St. Patrick's Day. Uh, so yeah, just just like yeah. kind of kind of kind of a fun time overall. Got got to see some a little bit of everything today on the field. Yeah, and they did the true blue heroes thing. Yeah, that was cool. I had some uh, some families and people here, and it's been. I mean, it's cool. We did. A, We've been in the IPF for a few practices, but you know, being around basketball for so long, smaller roster to come yeah. out here, just kind of the, the grand spectacle that is college football. It's good to be back, and it's been fun to watch some. Uh, it's been uh, it's been fun to watch uh, these practices and see some of these new players. Yeah, we've seen Kingsley. Obviously, he's been a monster. He's as good as advertised. Chris Brooks, transfer running back, just so violent when he runs. He's uh, <laughs> he behind that offensive line. Chris Brooks could be one of the best running backs. In all of college football next year, it's yeah be fun. for sure, for sure. Um, you know, that's, I think Chris Brooks and and, and Houston Hamuli also in the, they're in the backfield as kind of that uh, fullback tight end kind of uh, blend. Uh, they've they've certainly been the kind of the highlight of spring practice so far. I would say uh, Coach Kalani Sataki talking about them uh, again today. Kind of uh, the the you know the main pieces that they're having to adjust to within this offense. You know, coming off what was a very successful offensive season last year and the year before as well, um, having to implement you know a couple new pieces. Even though they are a little bit older, you know, the grad transfer type of uh, veteran experience. Um, but I think that's kind of been the big question for fans as well. Come in is how do you replace Tyre Algier in the backfield? Um, and I think Chris Brooks is, you know, f filling in nicely. And from what we, from what we've seen, um, you know, learn, learning the, the, that playbook. And, and as Jackson mentioned, uh, certainly from an athletic standpoint, running violently um, behind what could be, you know, one of the best offensive lines A in football. A behemoth offensive <laughs> yeah. line. Chris, as well, you know, he's – this wasn't really advertised when he came here, but he's a terrific pass catcher mm, out of the backfield. Yeah. And, you know, Tyler was serviceable there. Lopini was kind of more their, their target out of the backfield, it seemed like. But Chris Brooks is a much better pass catcher than Tyler Algier was. Mm -hmm. And for an offense that has so many dimensions to how it can beat you, that could be critical, you know? Yeah. And just thinking about these jumbo packages that they could run with their whole offensive line of five NFL-type guys with Dallin Holker or Isaac Rex yeah. and Mason Wake at the tight end position with Houston Humili at fullback and then Chris Brooks. That is, you you are going to lose that battle of the line of scrimmage every time if you have to go against that unit. That is, that is going to be insane. Power football right there. Power football, smash yeah. mouth football. Smash mouth. Just like it was meant to be played. <laughs> yeah, and uh, you know, also getting a chance to look at you know what's what's obviously a, a very talented and deep wide receiver room. Um, notice that the the guys were that that group was out here having a meeting even after the the main uh, practice and, and huddle and the true blue that the Jack was mentioning. Um, you know, we got guys like Puka Nakua in there, uh, Gunnar Romney, who I know has been kind of in and out of a couple practices. I don't, it didn't look like Puka was really practicing today a whole lot. Yeah, uh, but you, get, you know, you got guys like Miles Davis. Um, Keanu Hill certainly, who was kind of a breakout star last year, um, got got a chance to see them, and then we've got Dallin Holker. Who uh, you know, not technically part of the wide receiver room, but 
a great pass catching tight end who was out here working on, on the machine afterward, continuing to kind of get those reps, catching the ball so that he can be, you know, a reliable option with Isaac Rex out. Yeah, they said Isaac is looking to return for fall camp with his injury. It's obviously going to be really unclear. He would be a great boost to this tight end core. But Dallin Holker is just an enormous body who runs yeah. routes like a receiver. I mean, if you give Isaac and Dallin the same amount of reps, I bet Dallin gets more receptions mm. because Dallin is just going to be open more. Rex is a guy you can throw into coverage with because he's got the size advantage. He, he's got Moss capabilities. <laughs> but uh, Dallin Holker runs these just incredibly precise routes. Yeah. And for someone his size, that is so valuable. And, you know, he just gets open. He's been fun to watch. He's gotten a lot of the targets in these early uh, – spring ball practices sure. him and pook are going to really lead this receiver core you know gunner gunner's there as well but i feel like this is a year where gunner's gonna have to lead by example mm. maybe not they can lean on him if they want to but with how young the receiver group is behind gunner and puka looking forward to the big 12 i would if i were byu i'd be wanting to share the wealth among all your receivers i mean let keanu hill take a little bit more responsibility and then hobbs nyberg tanner wall chase roberts yeah some of these names that we're seeing at the bottom of the depth chart who have been making plays this spring you know tanner and hobbs have done an excellent job in that receiver room and Cade fennigan jacob conover battling it out for the backup spot i mean we've seen some great throws we've seen some great catches this defense has been solid too but we're seeing the depth on offense really come to life in these practices, and that's really encouraging to see, especially with the schedule that's so front-loaded yeah. for BYU this year. Only ten, They get 10 games before they're by. I mean, it's really tough, difficult teams on that schedule. And then going to the Big 12, you know, you want, you want to get those guys ready as soon as you can. Yeah, you know, uh, talking about position battles, you, you mentioned the backup quarterback position. I think that's really kind of the main one we're looking at here in spring ball because when you look at the running back position, you know, we talk about replacing Tyrell, Tyrell Algier, but it's not, uh, you know, it's pretty much already decided. We're bringing in a grad transfer uh, like Chris Brooks and kind of having the expectations there already that he'll be the go-to guy in, in the backfield. There's not really much of a, of a question mark or a position battle at running back. However, uh, at, at the backup quarterback position, you know, you got Jacob Conover and Cade Fennigan and potentially Sol J. Maiva Peters, um, who has been uh, impressing a lot here in spring ball. A lot of people, uh, you know, he was one that was talked a lot about during uh, his first fall camp back in 2020 when he came here as a, as a true, true freshman. Um, so, you know, that's kind of kind of those three guys. Obviously, uh, you know, Jake, uh, Conover, a guy who did take some backup reps last season. Uh, he's gotten the majority of the backup reps here in spring ball. Uh, but Cade Finnegan, a guy who we had on our podcast previously, uh, certainly, you know, getting those reps in is, and trying to make a run at Conover for that backup spot. Yeah, and, you know, Conover, from what we've seen and what we've heard, Conover's been effective. He's been consistent, but nothing's really flashed. Mm. It's been just very... I would say Alex Smithian just gets yeah. the job done, but not, not nothing like SportsCenter top ten worthy. Which, I mean, that's kind of what a backup's supposed to do anyway, right? Exactly, and and you know that's that's exactly that, that's that's exactly right. You know, uh, Baylor Romney was a very unique backup for mm. BYU because he could come in and make those big plays. Yeah, um, Conover's just been very solid, consistent, effective. But then Cade Cade Fennigan had kind of a slow start to camp, but has really broken out lately and made some of those spectacular throws that make you look twice and make you wonder how much talent the guy has. And so it's, 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 it's interesting in that regard, too, because, I mean, they've been – Conover's obviously been in their offense longer. He's been familiar with BYU longer in their program. Cade came in last year. He ran the scout team. Um, it's just – it's a very interesting backup quarterback battle. It's going to be really fun to watch through summer and into fall. 
But here in spring ball, they've they've been duking it out, and it's been fun. Yeah, it's kind of funny. I feel like we have the same conversation about these these young quarterbacks because I know I know last year the conversation was that Conover was the guy who had the big play potential. But then you know you come in and maybe maybe he's trying to cater his game more to that backup spot, which is what you know Baylor Romney what what he did you know coming in for for Zach Wilson and then you know it, with for Jaron Hall a couple times there. Not super explosive, other than you know you, you can point to that that play in the Arizona State game, obviously with the touchdown to Isaac Rex there in the clutch. Uh, but it's kind of interesting to see how these quarterbacks change their game depending on you know what's really needed of them in the moment and you talk about Kate Finnegan and his big play potential we almost saw one here today during practice um the, the throw was there you know it was going it was nice straight throw. into the corner of the end zone right in front of us uh but there was no one there <laughs> yeah there, I there, got, was, a miscommunication there, on the route it looked like there wasn't a receiver probably within 10 yards right um but you know that, that that's the kind of stuff you know uh hopefully uh you know <laughs> uh Making those throws for the end zone, uh, in, in, into the end zone is what you're looking for from a guy like uh, like Cade Fennigan. Um and it'll be interesting to see if he tr- tries to tailor his game a little bit more uh, to try and fit that backup mold and not be so flashy. Because like he told us on the podcast, he just likes to throw the football. That's his yeah. favorite thing about about football. So and when you watch them play in in these scrimmages or these uh, in the, in the reps they get, it feels like Conover comes in. And he just wants to get the play done. Mm. He's he's conservative. He he's not afraid of the check down. He knows who his guys are. He knows who's going to be open because you know he's been around the team longer. He's been around the program longer. So he he has that chemistry with some of the guys. Whereas Cade is looking to make any play possible. He wants to use everybody on the field. Yeah. I mean he's looking every read possible. If if there's an easy dump off, we've seen this happen. If there's an easy dump off to the running back, he's still looking downfield like. Mm. And you know he likes to throw the football. That's yeah. <laughs> at well, BYU. That's going to get the job done. And, and early on, he, he he's got to push the boundaries a little bit, right? See see what what he can get away with at BYU. And I think Conover's in the spot where he's kind of already seen what he can get away with. And now they've told him, hey, dial back a little bit. We need you to be this guy, this kind of game manager. We've got the pieces around you to make things happen. You don't have to be the one making the play every time or doing too much. Distribute, don't exactly. I mean, when you, when you got Chris Brooks. Uh, the great tight ends, great wide receivers, a great offensive line. There's not a whole lot of big playmaking that that quarterback has to make, especially in the backup spot. Exactly. The playmaker is the one manufacturing those plays, putting points on the scoreboard. A guy like Jaron Hall, who's so dynamic, dual-threat athlete, just, I mean, (laughs) Jaron Hall very much flew under the radar last year. 20 touchdowns, five interceptions. Obviously, he got a little bit hurt. but And towards the end of the year, he was running like – an NFL quarterback. Yeah. He he's got wheels. He can he can really move. And I feel like with how big this offensive line is, and not only that, but they've beefed up the tight end and fullback room. Um, they have receivers that can go down from and block. Puka Nakua is a Ooh, yeah. ridiculous <laughs> blocker uh, on the far side at receiver. And so I feel like that they can be more comfortable, especially if Jaron comes into fall camp healthy. Yeah. They can be more comfortable designing these runs for Jaron. I mean, you're not going to be able to replace Tyler Algier, but you can recreate his production across a couple different layers. If Chris Brooks has a monster year, if they really get Jaron Hall running the football effectively, yeah. Houston Hamuli, Mason Wake maybe catching passes out of the backfield, Lapini Kato's coming back, that's a fifth-year guy. I mean, you're not going to recreate Tyler Algier, but you can replace that production over a couple different guys. And I think that's going to be really fun to see, especially with just the veteran talent on this team. Yeah. And a guy like Jaron really plugs into that well because you could run RPO with Jaron, you could run the read with Jaron. Jaron just lets you – he opens up the playbook so much – and, I mean, people have said it before, he's an, he's an NFL first-round prospect. And that's, that's insane to think about. But with the, with the guys and the playmakers they have on this team, 
and the opportunity to go on such big stages like going down to play Notre Dame in Vegas yeah. or going to Stanford this year, getting Baylor at home, like these big-time the, primetime games. The opportunity is there. The opportunity is there. And that helped Zach a lot two years yeah. ago when they're the only team playing. Yeah. And he goes on ESPN and drops 55 points on Navy. That Houston game, he storms back, and they, they run the Chiefs play. Um, the Boise game, you know, these games that were primetime events. Yeah. And he goes out and plays just – phenomenal football and people are like okay zach wilson is by stock now like he, yeah. he's a guy that you want to be in be in with now and jaron hall is going to be that guy this year eyeballs on the cougs eyeballs on the cougs you know this is they're bringing back a lot of talent and yeah. people aren't talking about that enough you know number one returning defense production wow i think they're like top 15 in offense but it's going to be <laughs> this is going to be a fun year totally it's speaking of fun i feel like that's the biggest part of, of these spring ball practices guys just out here enjoying playing football again, right? This is not by any means, you know, some of the most serious practices that they're gonna that they're gonna be in. This is not fall camp. This is not the season. Um, it's the middle of March, yeah. right? Um, but it's I, March Madness. I, I think they really are. Yeah. And speaking of that, um, you know, just having fun with it. Uh, Kalani during his uh, media time talking a little bit about his bracket, talking a little bit about March Madness. Um, get give a quick shout out, you know, to, to the women's team who will be playing uh, on Saturday against Villanova. So that'll be that'll be a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, you know, certainly fun to be out here on the, on the football field, but. Not to forget the main event of March, which is basketball. Um, men got their win uh, in the NIT last night, so so shout out to those guys for, for showing up, even if it wasn't until the second half. Uh, nonetheless, got another game here at home um, on Saturday as well, Saturday evening. Um, so we'll obviously be bringing you guys all that coverage, uh, content at Daily Universe, Daily Universe Sports on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, make sure you're checking that out. And uh, all, all the all the women's basketball content, you know, it's March. Uh, it'll be a tough game for the women, but uh, a huge opportunity. You know, talking about eyeballs on the Cougars, right? A huge opportunity for them to make a statement and get into that game against Michigan at Michigan. Yeah, they go Villanova first, the six eleven game, and then they got to they got to play presumably Michigan. Presumably, correct. And Big Ten women's basketball. We talked about it. it's a really talented yeah. women's basketball conference. Um, Michigan home court advantage. It's a big-time program just yeah. in all of college sports. That's, you know, the women, they asked for their test. They've earned their test, and here it is. They've studied. They've prepared. It's time to show up. Yeah. And it's, it's going to be fun to see them. The men, obviously, like you said last night, uh, didn't show up until the second half. 21-0 run down the stretch really put them over the top. And the NIT, it's, it's a mixed bag, obviously. Mm. It's, not, it's not the big dance. It's the crowd wasn't really in it yesterday until the end. Some of the guys, it was kind of sloppy basketball for a bit. Yeah. But if you can give Caleb Lohner confidence he needs heading into year three mm -hmm. to be the guy at BYU, and you can get these younger guys like the Trey Stewarts, the Casey Browns, the Hunter Ericksons, who you're hoping you can bank on in the future, especially with the Big 12, and not need an excuse to hide them on the roster or ship them off somewhere else, yeah. but to help them be contributing factors in a Big 12 basketball program, giving those guys the reps they need, then the NIT is a success. No matter how, how many games you win, Winning the final, winning it all, going to the final four would be cool. But what we saw from Caleb Lohner last night, first yeah. ever twenty point night at BYU, nine of eleven from the field. Crazy. That's, I mean, that's a huge confidence boost for him going forward. He and he needs that. He needs to end this year on the highest possible note, and the NIT gives him that opportunity. Yeah, you know, I, I thought it was interesting that um, the the first two players to reach double digit points last night were Caleb Lohner and Gideon George. 
the two guys who all season we've, we've been saying they haven't reached their, their potential. They were the ones that had to step up this season in order for this team to make a leap, and they haven't. Well, uh, it might be too little too late, but here in the NIT, uh, late late in the season, getting out the opportunities, um, and, and they, they certainly did take advantage. Um, saw a lot of great things from Gideon and Caleb yesterday. Aggressive play in the paint, um, go into the rim, which is what this BYU team has to do when you know when shooting is not always uh, their friend. Right? Gideon had some nice three-point shots. Um, Caleb, you know, still struggling to find that consistent three-point shot yet. Did hit one yesterday, <laughs> and, and and had and yeah, the one that I think it bounced like two or three times on the rim, and eventually it collided, dropped, uh, got a little bit of a, that shooter's bounce, right? Uh, but he he did end up getting twenty points, which is the most yeah. points he's ever had in a game for BYU. And I like what you said though, like when their when their jump shots weren't there, when the mid range wasn't there, yeah. when the three wasn't there, they were going to the rim. Yeah, they shot fifty five percent from the field last night, and a lot of that was around the rim. He had Fus and Atiki going up there. Um, Barcelo was making plays in the lane. Tijon going up there, but Gideon and Loner especially getting around the rim and just powering into the basket is exactly what you need next year. They, they were they were playing smart. Like they 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 were anticipating the defense there in the paint. You know, ball fakes, whatever it might be, right there, and then finishing with contact. A couple, a few, and ones from both guys. Just a lot smarter, aggressive basketball. And. No, maybe the NIT, obviously you wanted to go to the big dance. Yeah. Maybe the NIT isn't the worst thing in the world because you can play these games where the stakes are higher, but the pressure is a little bit mm. lower. Because it's the NIT, you know, if you, if you go one and done, who cares? Yeah. No one's going to remember. But you can play against solid talent. Long Beach State was not a bad team. Yeah. Northern Iowa is a pretty decent team. They won, I think, 11 of their last 13 or wow. something like that. Yeah. They went on a tear during the end of the year. They gave up a lot of threes, though, so we're going to need more of those Loner and Gideon threes. But... You know, you can play against these solid teams, play at home in these higher stakes, but there's not as much pressure because you can play a little more loose. It's You're really just having fun. It felt like a pickup game for most of yesterday yeah. just because it wasn't as intense. They're, the pressure's not there. And all this year they've been talking about joining the gym. The NIT mm. might, be able, might be where they're able to find joining the gym that March Madness couldn't offer. Yeah. And maybe the cure that this team needs heading forward is that joining the gym. That can take them to the next step. And hopefully the next step is not, you know, making the Final Four of the NIT next year. But who knows? You know, I mean, like Steve Pierce said, 2023, 2024, That's basketball season starts now. Keep, keeping that vision down the road. That, the that eternal perspective. Eternal perspective. Here, here on Universe Sports Talk, we're always about connecting the spirituality with the athletics. We got you guys. But, uh, yeah, I mean, my bracket's doing pretty well so far. Wish I could have picked BYU in the first round. We're not talking about mine. Uh, it is busted. There's a team that has never won an NCAA tournament game who Caleb picked for the Final Four, and I'm not going to name names. You already named my name. but I named your name. <laughs> but this team also derailed BYU's undefeated season in football this year. Ah, so, yes. But I'm not going to name names. Yeah. Fill out your women's brackets, though. Women's team in the Final Four. Coming at you Saturday, 11 Mountain, 11 a.m. Mountain. It's gonna 11 be Mountain. Great time, mountain time. Can we talk about just how awesome the backdrop is today? Yeah. We got the the Helaman Halls, Timp, Provo Canyon, Squaw Peak skyline, Tanner Building in the back. We got it all for you guys. It's uh. Just trying to bring you guys the best content we can. Picture perfect. Don't need no filter. Catch you guys next time. <laughs> See you guys.